What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Patrick Carr Show. Now, as always, I try to bring you some guests that are going to bring value to your life, and today's show, of course, is no different. Let me read off a few things here about this gentleman that is sitting right here to my right. Um, A top 500 contractor. Um, He's named Big 50, named 40 Under 40 by Pro Remodeler Magazine, and that's just a few of the awards him and this company have uh, come to represent over the past few years. They are one of the fastest growing companies in their industry, and it has to do a lot with the leadership. So today, I'm very happy to introduce you right here, Mr. Mark Olson to my right. How you doing, sir? Doing pretty good, Patrick. Thanks for having me uh, on your podcast. Appreciate man, it. I appreciate it as well, yeah. man. So, you know, it's been a real pleasure. Um, we were introduced through Leap, yep. a CRM company, and for those of you who watch the show, a longtime sponsor of what we do here. Um, you've been using Leap, I've been using Leap and promoting them, so thank you to Leap for, for bringing us yeah. together right here. Thank you, Leap. We um, love Leap. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, you got to tell me, man. I mean, no one wakes up, I feel like, and they say, hey, listen, I'm going to go to school, I'm going to graduate high school and college, and I'm going to become a contractor. I feel like that may not be the route that most people go down. Give me a little history on your story. How do you, how do you come here to redo cabinets, brother? Well... I literally put myself through college so I didn't have to do remodeling. <laughs> you know, I grew up with my dad, you know, roofing. You know, he did all the hard work, the hot tar roofs, early morning, you know, you, you shower at night, not in the morning type uh, lifestyle. And um, my, to my dad, that was like the way of passage. That's how you're going to grow up. It's a, it's a business. You're mm-hmm. going to love it. And I, I didn't love it. And as, as uh, high school came to an end, I realized, um, you know, Either I go to school and figure it out or I'm back on the roof. So I really, I put myself through college, paid for it myself, got, uh, went to a state school, got a degree in construction management. And, uh, you know, so I figured, hey, I'm going to work in the construction, but just, you know, more pointing, you know, do this, do that, or read blueprints or something, you know, at that naive age I was thinking. And when I graduated, it was recession. So uh, yep. I couldn't find a, a job for the life of me. I was still living at home. I started getting my tuition bills coming in. And my dad just went and knocked on my bedroom and said, hey, I'll pay you 25 bucks an hour. You come back on the roof. <laughs> and yep, back on the roof. But uh, you know, I, I learned a lot. I, I learned a lot in those next uh, seven years working on commercial roofing and residential roofing, installing it. Yeah. I mean, from picking up the, the the uh, shingles on the ground, uh, to installing hot tar roofs, to learning TPO roof systems. I did it all on the roof and, um, you know, I just got better and better at it. And I realized my dad had so much business, but he didn't know marketing. And I didn't know marketing. I didn't know how to run a business. And uh, from there, that curiosity got me going. And next, you know, I started going to industry uh, events. I started uh, educating myself, networking. I realized this is a whole industry that I could really impact and make a difference and grow this company. And I was really blessed to have a father that, you know, after a while allowed me and my brother to do that. So uh, I want to take back though one thing you said. <clears throat> one of the things on this show that we've been very outspoken about has been the people on top of the roof, the people who do the work, all right? And I want to jump into redo cabinets in a minute, but since you mentioned, you know, you grew up in a way in a roofer's home. And yep. then as well, you, you talked about being on top of that roof and learning the TPO and the hot tar and doing this stuff. Not easy work. No, um, no. Is there area for this industry or for the roofing industry to improve 
when it comes to the treatment of the people who are on top of the roof that are doing the work. Because you know what I've seen? I'll go to these conferences, brother, and I see the Raptor trucks pull up, and I see that stuff, but I rarely see the guys who are on top of the roof, man, you know? The guys who are making it happen up there. They're the, as I have one client, you know, they call them LeBron James, the athletes out there that are doing it. I, the industry, does, it, does the industry yeah. have to improve there? Where does it start, in your opinion? Is there, is there a chance? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's first off, it's not attractive to be an installer for roofing. I mean, think about it. If you're interviewing a a guy for the job, yeah, you you know, well, I'm in the Midwest, so hey, guess what? We'll pay you hourly, and by the way, you don't get paid when it rains out or when it snows, and you have to go on unemployment every winter. And uh, yeah, um, we don't offer health insurance. It's a great gig. Why not? Right? It, it's just not attractive, and I and I really do believe. Uh, there needs to be a, a shift in, in this industry to uh, attract quality installers that want to learn roofing. It's not a very attractive trade, but don't get me wrong, there's a lot of phenomenal roofers out there. Sure just, just, I've met some that I've, just the quality work they do, how precise and how um, picky they are with everything, it's amazing. But ch giving them that a better lifestyle, I, I, I wouldn't even know where to start because uh, it's so, difficult to find quality installers but i think what they're looking for is consistency mm -hmm. and culture and yep. a good company that they know will treat them like their own and that's what's different when i worked on the roof all my crew all the guys i worked with um you become family yeah and you lean on each other so if you have a crew of seven guys on a roof one guy doesn't show up or calls in sick that puts pressure on the whole crew because that guy had an important role so Finding that culture, finding that good team is really important. But I also know in this industry, there's a lot of subcontractors, so you gotta find a quality subcontractor yeah. that really knows how to manage his crew, and that's a whole other beast in its own. But um, but yeah, I, I really would like to see a, a good change in the, the quality of installers, and obviously, we could pay them more. Sure, yeah. let's, let's increase our costs, let's pay it more. But we know a lot of us, you know, we have a budget. There's only so much we could pay per square or per hour for the position. Um, so it's, um, you know, that, that's, uh, we could go on forever about that one. That's sure. For sure. Yeah. But I mean, you learn a lot, obviously, and you know, you and you have your family involved in this company. Um, you've taken it and you've grown it on the, really with good quality products and services that you offer here. But you're, you're running this company, your brother and everybody is out there doing this thing. You're running the day to day. You have to right. manage people. Um, and when managing people, you can't get out there and do the job no. because you can't be at every install doing it. As much as I'm sure you'd love to be there doing quality checks, you've got to trust in the people around you. Uh, do you feel like you learned a lot from that, that growing up, seeing it, being on top of the roof, seeing the people that you take into what you're doing at Redo Cabinets to make sure that the people out there are doing a quality job? Because I feel like that's, that's thrown around there, the words integrity and we're going to do it quality but the people around here seem to truly believe in that. Um, not just a, a catchphrase or a, you know, a line that sits on a wall somewhere that people right. read. Right, well I've always, I've always strived, even through high school with sports and school, I wanna be the best at what I do. If I'm gonna put my fa my hand, my, myself forward on anything I choose to do, I wanna be the best at it. And that takes a lot of work and a lot of time, I'm sure with a lot of listeners right now, they all wanna be the best at what they do. So. Um, but it does start with you know the value, offering value to our customers, a value product, a value proposition, and then following up with that. And that's where the installation comes in. And uh, 
one thing I know when I was installing is I want to do it right the first time or I'm not going to do it at all. That means I need the right tools, I need the right people, and I need the right management, you know. Um, and then it just starts to grow from there because now as you train a production manager or a field manager, they see the quality that I'm already installing. They see how really, um, how would I say, nitpicky I am on how it's looking. How do you talk to the customer? How do you do the final zero defect at the end of the job? You kind of just pass the baton once you train someone and then they have to carry that same passion and then mm. it just duplicates from there. But it's not that I don't go to my job sites. I actually you know i do stop by these job sites you know yeah. I, I do want to make sure they're happy but also a good way that i know that we're still doing quality work is guild quality i mean we send it out to all of our customers we we are still guild master award our i think our fourth year in a row um and our reviews i mean these customers are fanat you know they're fanatics of what we did so um but yeah it, it does take time to develop that culture of perfection and everyone that wants to be the best yeah so you mentioned guild quality can you explain to our listeners a little bit of what that is because i think it is a very important award and distinction that really separates you apart from other people yeah i would say uh, you know i do know a lot of people that do use guild quality and for those of you who do not i, I think this is a good way of a grading system for your company it's a third-party organization uh, you do have to pay for it now when your project is uh, finalized say you completed your project will you send that customer to guild quality. Now again, the key is send every customer to guild quality, happy or not happy, you know, because you want to get real authentic feedback. Guild quality reaches out to these customers and they ask them a series of questions on a survey. And it's, you know, how likely they recommend us? Did they see value in our product? You know, how, um, you know, are they likely to recommend? You know, a whole list of questions, and these customers have to fill it out, and you're on a grading scale. Mm -hmm. I get this report card back, and it also goes to my production team, it goes to me, and that really is the report card. And if I see a problem or something the customer's unhappy about, I know exactly who to go to right away because this needs to get nipped in the butt. Now, I understand there's he said, she said, this is what happened, this is how we fixed it, but again, it's authentic feedback because I, I can't get all feedback from every job. I can't call every customer but guild quality is a, is a rating scale, and um, to achieve the guild master is, is not something that you could, anyone could do. It's consistent satisfaction. So we're at a 98 satisfaction rate with our customers on all all uh, levels of the platform. So that's special, man. Yeah, but I also it to me it's it's the team thing. That's why we have it up in our right when you walk in this office. Everyone needs to understand this is what everyone's done. This we are a guild master company. So. But you know, along with that Guildmaster, it's over here to the left-hand side, and you've got these other awards that I kind of rattled off in the beginning as I introduced you, and something to be very proud of. I want to ask you a personal question, though, because I think a lot of entrepreneurs who are in their, let's say, their mid to late 30s, um, I'm sitting there, we're sitting there right now, um, maybe their business has seen some success. Yours has, and you've got the last three to four years, you and your brother, your family, this place has gotten recognition. Um, you know, it's, you know, Leap is the one who sent us out here. So you got to go talk to these guys. They do it the right way. Uh, and that's got to feel good. On a personal note, I'd like you to ask you something. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. I don't know this about you. Do you ever feel a little bit of that imposter syndrome at times? Like, you know, is this really supposed to be me? Is this supposed to be happening to me? Or has the hard work and, and the things and the dues that you've paid, do you feel like, man, you know what? This is where I'm supposed to be. This success does belong to me right now. No, I do believe the success does belong to me right now. I think uh, behind the shadows or, or 
beneath the cur- behind the curtains, yeah. you know, it's not all rainbows and sunshine. It's a lot of uh, long nights, long days, a lot of ups and downs. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, it's uh, it's a, it, there's been a lots of struggle, but every day is a new day, and you got to put yesterday behind you and move forward to the next day and just get better every day. You know, all you entrepreneurs out there know exactly what I'm talking about. You know defeat is part of the game mm-hmm. you know it, it's but the struggle's real but the success is always always there it's 10 feet from gold and i'm still digging for it you know yes we are growing yes we have these accolades yes we have a phenomenal company but i'm just getting started and these accolades to me are just reminders you know of where i'm coming yeah you know i, I wonder what comes next but i want to and i'll jump into that in a few um, but what, what really motivates you? Because I feel like everyone's only motivated by a few different things. Like, for instance, fear. I'm motivated a lot by fear. Fear of losing it all. Fear of embarrassment, fear of embarrassing myself. Just fear tends to motivate me a lot. Um, I think some people are motivated more by, by love or you know, by caring for another individual and wanting to see the best for them. Um, I wonder for you, where does it fall? You know, because I think that many people take their foot off the gas. Maybe they take it off too early. They start to see a little bit of success. The, the employees and company starts to have a little bit of that, that rise up the hill a little bit. And they take the foot off. For you, though, what keeps you motivated? What is it that, you know, why do you show up here at 6 a.m. in the morning? Why do you, or why do you go out to the job site? I mean, does it really matter? Or, I mean, so do you ever struggle with that? Or is there something that locks you in? Well, I mean, that's, that's a... That's a great question. I don't think I've been asked that. I would say, well, my personality traits, my number one motivator is money. Obviously, that's fun. Yeah. I, I want to be successful. I want to make a good income. I have a big BHAG. Uh, that's always going to be the, the biggest push for me. You know, I'm very money motivated, but also success driven. You know, again, I want to be the best, and it's not going to happen overnight. It may not be five years, 10 years, but I, it's going to happen. Mm. So, um, I think just that drive, that athlete mentality of you know wanting to win, uh, wakes me up every morning. Um, mm. I've never been probably a uh, you know a subpar, low performer. It's just get up, you know, eat your breakfast, and get to work and make things happen. So, um, but yeah, no, that's a great question. I've been thinking lately. I heard this pose, and I think I talked about it previously. Hoff, I'm not sure, but. Um, you know, imagine in your life what you would do if you knew you were going to be 100% successful, whatever you put your mind to. If I guarantee, like I was God and I said, okay, Patrick, whatever you decide you want to do, you want to run this media company, as long as you put in all the hard work, if I said that, right. you will be 100% successful in everything you want to do. I'm guaranteeing it for you. All you have to do is put in the work. Imagine what people would go after. I think it's that fear that people have a lot of the times that, I'm going to put in all this work and I'm not going to get anything out of it. Yeah. And it holds them back that anxiety, it paralyzes them from not chasing what they, you know, what they can chase and what they deserve. Right. Um, and I see that with entrepreneurs out there, but you're out there and you are chasing it. Um, and you're building it. Yeah. And, and that's why I asked the question because I think that a lot of individuals they they think not me, you know, that's somebody else's dream, that's somebody else's money, that's somebody else's company that they can have. And they believe that it's not for them. They may not deserve it. Um, and I like what you said with the, no, you know, I, I do. Because you put in that work and you feel like, right. hey, listen, this is for me. It's for my family. 
Right. It's for me, it's for my family. And when I say family, it's for my employees. I love that. You know, at the end of the day, yes, I want to be successful. I am successful. I want to make more money. I do make money. But it's only possible if everyone around me makes money and everyone around me fulfills their dreams and everyone else around me that works with me, you know, grows within the company. That is also how I look at success. So that's really important to me. But again, at the end of the day, there's, there's one visionary, you know, there's one guy that has the gas pedal that needs to, you know, make sure we're pushing and uh, get outside your comfort zone a little bit and holding the people accountable. Mm. You know, that's the tough job. You know, that's, that's the one that's always tough for me and that I'm getting better at every day is uh, accountability, yeah. you know, and making sure if you're questioning an employee, if you're not sure, but they have some good things and you keep questioning it and then they start keeping you up at night, you got to make those tough decisions. It's that fear of loss. I can never find a person that good again, but it's always amazing how, and I'm sure all of you would, would say, yeah, I get it. When you finally let that person go, everything just somehow gets better and you find someone even better for that position. It's, it's amazing how that happens. Well, this one are made possible by our incredible sponsors, the people who believe in this show and have for a long time. And one such sponsor is our friends over at Leap. Um, if you are a contractor and you follow the, the growth of this show and the people that we bring to you, it is all made possible because of Leap. All right, um, they're one of the sponsors who have been with us for a very long time, and I cannot thank Patrick, Danielle, and the entire crew. Jenny, I won't forget about you over there for what they've been able to do for the show. But we started to work with them because of what they can do for contractors. If you're somewhere and you're not, your business is not doing what you want it to do, it may be because you're not organized, and maybe because you're not tracking your jobs, you're losing track of sales, you don't know where your marketing dollars are going. We're using 10 different programs to try to bring everything into one. You don't have to do that. All you have to do is go to the link we're gonna put right across the bottom of the screen right here. Leap helps contractors organize their data so they can grow faster and they can be the best they possibly can be. You focus on creating a great product or service, let Leap keep you organized and make sure you do not miss anything as you grow and become the best you can be in your area. Again, the website right across the bottom right here, we trust them because we know them as people and this show supports Leap as they've been so kind as to support us. So please go over there and give them a shot, sign yourself up for tutorial, and I promise you will not be disappointed by the best CRM for contractors in the country. And now, let's get back to this exciting episode. Now, we've talked a little bit about that competitive nature that you have, that getting up in the bed, you know, making it happen each day. Me and you had a chance to talk a little bit off camera yesterday. Um, you were involved pretty heavily in a sport that I was, I'm yep. pretty passionate about in the bodybuilding world, and getting out there and making things happen with that. Um, what kind of discipline did that teach you? Uh, because it's, I'm, I'm gonna say this, because I feel it's unlike any other sport in the world in this respect. Other sports, it's you're gonna practice for two, maybe four hours a day if you're a professional, all right? right. Bodybuilding, the tough part isn't the actual working out. It's not the practice. No. It's the other 22 hours of the day that make it very difficult. It's like an inverse when it comes to it's a crazy. sport. Yeah. Um, Talk to me about yeah. those years of your life because we spent many similar years in our, our mid to late 20s focused exclusively on this sport. What did it teach you? What did you take from it? Well, first off, I'm half the man I used to be. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, bodybuilding was a huge part of my life. I, I did it for probably 12 years. Uh, I was very, 
very intense with it. It was a, it's twenty four seven. You know that. Oh, yeah. When I say twenty four seven, it's uh, you know diet and exercise. Diet is twenty four seven. Every meal, eating every two to two and a half hours, making sure it's properly weighed, properly scaled, cooking all that food. It's like you're cooking for a family of ten, but really, it's, you're cooking for yourself. All the supplements, the regimen, the you know again the workouts one to two times a day and uh it is a selfish sport because it's all about yourself and yep. your physique you know and it's it's very very tough um but i didn't know like not only was it really tough but when you're able to focus and have a narrow focus and a passion goal and you eat sleep and dream it as you're leading up to any of your competition shows you know you visualize it and when things actually happen and you win and you win multiple times you start to think to yourself i can do anything i can, anything i put my mind to i could do it and then i and i as i was getting older i realized bodybuilding wasn't paying the bills you know that big pro card you know make the money that's that's a one percenter thing but then i i switched my mindset on business you know growing the family business you know starting a new business I really put my, my blinders on and went narrow focus on that. And, um, you know, and it's happening, right? But it all starts with a goal, a vision in mind. And, um, you know, as long as you have that, that focus, anything could happen. Yeah. Bodybuilding has helped a lot, that's for sure. So one of the things that I took away from bodybuilding was not that I enjoyed it because me and you, I, I did not enjoy the competition. So that, yeah. the, the diet was not for it's, me. It was terrible. brutal. <laughs> yeah, I, I hated I every minute of it. Yeah. But I'll tell you one thing it did teach me was to be able to look at myself and to grade myself accordingly. There were times I went into a competition where I would tell everybody, man, I gave it everything I got. But in the back of my mind, I would be sitting there going, no, I didn't. I know there were some meals I screwed up on. Yep. I know there's, there were some times I didn't get out of bed and make that morning run or do the morning cardio in or do what I needed to do at night. There was times I didn't. And I would really have to look introspectively at myself and go, hey, you know you didn't give it everything you got. That's BS you're telling people out there. You know it. You're blaming judges. You're blaming other people. Right. But you got to look at you. Your own accountability. Um, yeah. And I think that's helped me to put away some of the pride because in beginning this business, I've taken a lot of hits across the face. And it's very easy to go, it's other people's fault. Um, very easy to blame it on a market or a client or, or someone else. But I think sometimes it's very important, not sometimes, always, to look at yourself and go, you know what, no man, you could have done that better. You could have spent time on that more. You could have edited that better. We could have delivered better. What could we have done us, you know? And I think you've taken some of that, whether you realize it or not, as we have this conversation, you've done a lot of that here. You, got, you take a lot of responsibility in this company for, and your employees do too, for the final product that goes out there. Um, you, you seem to really take that personally, what goes out into somebody's home. Yeah, I take it, yeah, extremely personally yeah, yeah. I, I i do know if if anything fails or if we fail it's it's because i i failed somewhere i didn't keep an eye on something even though i shouldn't have to keep an eye on everything but these are the things that keep me up at night you know these are the things that i i have to oh i forgot the text what's his name oh i forgot to look into this but at the end of the day i look myself in the mirror and i i evaluate the company where it's at right now 
because this is all my doing. This is my creation. Now, yep. again, yeah, I have a partner, Greg, but I'm evaluating it. I want to know where we are right now. Are we hitting these benchmarks? Are we need to be where we need to be? And then I evaluate every department. And again, if, if it's not working, it, it's me. Mm. You know, Yeah, it could be them. It's accountability. But at the end of the day, it's me. This is my company. This is my face. So I'm the gas pedal. You know? Yes. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, especially with bodybuilding. Yeah, I, I slept in a couple of days or... Or I, or I had a, too much of a cheat meal, but I look at it this way too. You're, you're also listening to your body, mm-hmm. right? I think it's that 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 person in your head uh, always telling me, you know, what to do or or, or um, how to look at things differently. Like I may be frustrated one day, or I'd be really overwhelmed or stressed out, and I may be short with everyone. All I think I really need to do is like think it through, go to bed, and in the morning it's crazy on how you're right in. You just kind of think things a little bit differently you just almost like clear-minded like wow i needed that that mental break Mm -hmm. so i think for me one of the things that's helped me out is i'm not going to ever step foot on a stage ever again no desire to i won't either Um, (laughs) and and i don't think that i'm the healthiest right now because i still try to work out and eat like i am a bodybuilder because i don't know much different Mm. um and so I, i admit that but what it does do for me is when i do go and have a workout at least I know I accomplished that yeah, that day. Right. Like I, I, I haven't added to the stress or anxiety or I haven't added to the problem that I've got that day. I, f- I feel like I, ac- I can put a check mark next to that. Yeah. Um, and I would encourage people, whatever your check mark is, go and do it. If it's not, usually, you know, for me, what I've found is that it's the things you don't want to do each and every day that are probably the things you should be doing. Yeah. Um, the things you want to put off because, you know, they're either painful or uncomfortable. You're, you're a novice at them, or you haven't done them in a while and you keep pushing that proverbial sack of papers to the side of the desk. I feel like those are the things that you got to address and put that check mark next to it each day. Has, has that helped you? And Hey, listen, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to hold myself accountable. I'm going to do these things I don't want to do because no one wants to wake up at five and go to cardio. No. Um, nobody wants to eat seven meals a day, no. but you had to, you do it because you trained your body and your mind to go, I don't want to do that, but I'm going to do it because there's a bigger goal than this meal at hand right now. Yeah. And I think that it carries over to the entrepreneurship side. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, you just nailed it right there. I mean, you're, you're going to have to do the things you don't want to do. Yeah. You know, when I started the cabinet refacing company, <laughs> I had to educate myself on the products. I had to sell it. I had to get out in the field and sell it. I had to, I had to, you know, fall on my face. I had to develop the leap uh, platform because I had to first sell it to see how to convert it to leap. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to train production. I had to go to the field. I had to do an install at my brother's house. I had to actually install it. I mean, it, it, if I wanted this to happen, I had to do the work I didn't want to do. But then I also know, I also knew, this is all temporary. I have to do this right now. But then you pass it off, right? Mm-hmm. You show someone else how to do it. You know, it's a short-term pain, long-term gain for that vision and that goal. Um, and I'm I'm more than prepared to roll up my sleeves and do that. You know, and, and to me, that's that's what I did. Um, but I also know as we evolve, you know, there's a lot of things that I could do: sales, marketing, production, sure. But the best thing is, you start as you're growing, you're finding people that are better at it. Than you are right mm-hmm. and that's yeah. how you pass it off you know that hey i know how to do this but you find that person that's just so much better at it and they actually like to do it and when you find that person that's how you start taking off those hats to people that are just really good at that position i mean that's when the magic happens 
you know, I've been unfortunately taking a big, well, I've had to swallow that, that pill, that pride. Yeah. I've had to swallow that lately. You know, I was talking often, we, we've had this discussion in our team meetings. There are certain things that the editors on our team can do with video I can't do. Right. And there are certain things I'm okay at. Um, but they will laugh literally when I go out and I take video because they'll know that I'm the one who took it. And it's not the same, it's not done the same way that other people do it. And the editors will get in and be like, Hoffney, did, did Patrick shoot this video? I'm like, yeah. Like, yeah, right. Yeah, great. Um, because yeah. I don't do it at the same level that they do. They, they're, they're good at it. You know, they're great at it. They, they, they're passionate about it. Um, and I've lost that because I don't do it every day. They, they're yeah. in there every day doing right. it. Yeah. Um, and that's tough for me because I, I did the business on my own for the first year. Not a lot of people realize this, but if I did a podcast like this in year number one, what I would do is I would hit record, hit record, you know, and I'd go and sit down. And then I'd hope that it looks good when I sat down. I did this with you at the end. Yeah. Hope that sound doesn't go out or that the video was wow. in focus. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it screwed up sometimes. Screwed mm. up for clients of mine. Mm. Um, but you've, you know, you kind of have to. Sometimes you got to swallow that pride and go, "Man, I'm not as good as what this person I'm hiring is." Right. And right. that's a freeing feeling, like you said, mm. um, because it's been really cool for me to see these guys and their their creativeness yeah. do things that I I'm not capable of doing. Yeah, it's fun, isn't it? There was a, I think it was back in 2016 or 17. Uh, we ran a two-step sales process. Mm-hmm. You know, it was more of a consult, consultative uh, sales process. And I had two receptionists that just basically took the lead and and just issued it to a sales rep. And then they took it from there. Follow up, call back, rehash. You know, however you want to do it at, at that stage. And I wanted to move to a one-sit close, right? Which I know in this industry, you got one sit, two sit, three sit. Well, we want to go one sit. I want to be more efficient. I want to monitor all of our lead flow. I want to control it, right? Mm -hmm. Well, when I launched it and I got trained, I was out there selling it. I was doing it. I was making it work. And when I wanted to launch it, I had six sales reps and five of them literally quit on me because they were were like, we are not going to do this. And then my my call center that I was trying to train how to schedule you know, the first appointment, you know, both homeowners present, they have time, they both quit. It was the scariest thing of my life. This company almost shut down and I was the call center and I was that second rep. And then the, the first rep that was stuck with me, he's still with me to this day and he knows like what we've been through. But that's where it just shows I had to get back on the phones. I was doing outbound calls, taking it in. And then I was setting my appointment, setting him. And I was doing, I had to do that. And then I had to recruit and interview new call center reps and then recruit and train new sales reps. So like talk about juggling plates, but stressing out, but that's just the shit we do to get to the next level, you know? But I, I'm glad I made that change because it changed the whole dynamic of the company to where we are right now. But, but yeah, I remember that, that was crazy. It was, it was, it was not fun, but You're yeah. like, you, it's like, hold please. Let me get the vice president of the company. Yep, yep. Vice president of the company. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll send the sales rep right out. Yeah, yeah. it's me. But yeah, sales rep comes out. Yeah, yeah, but it was it was like it was on fire. But like to me, I I just you plow through it. And there's been a couple of hurdles like that in this in, in my in my business. But you know, it's just I remember those things that I you know I remember those things of that that pain, <coughs> scarcity, that frustration, the that has to get better. How is this constantly happening? Um, but. But yeah, I mean, you just get up every day and you, you keep at it, you know? Yeah. Our, our mutual friend, Patrick Fingles, over there with Leap, he said, you know, you, sometimes you just got to play business. Yeah. Um, you know, so 
you're going to play all these different hats and you play it till, you know, you figure it out. Yeah. Um, and uh, so you're, you're kind of just playing along till you, you, you figure out the game. I mean, um, yeah, and I'm blessed to have so many networking company friends and friendship and people that I could just call or text that are just full of information and love and like having that as a business owner is so important. You know, get a networking group of guys, all different sizes, all different locations and network. It's so important. Well, I want to kind of, my kind of finish up here with you. I want to talk about the future of not only your industry, but let's say construction in general. We talked earlier about the people in the industries who are doing the work, mm-hmm. all right? Um, in Florida, we've recently had law changes regarding immigration, um, E-Verify, making it more difficult for people to do I-9s, things like that. Right. There's always these changes that are coming down the road. Um, you've been in this long enough to know about the only thing that is guaranteed is that change, and that you know some people are able to adapt while others will fall to the wayside. In your opinion, you know, as you go to conferences, as you hear and you, you work closely with CRMs and all this different stuff, is there anything you see around the horizon in this industry or a, maybe a sister industry of yours that you're like, you know what, this is something that's going to be a big challenge. This is something that's going to, that's going to, people are, are going to lose out and some people are going to win. Um, I'm interested to know what you see coming around the corner, let's say the next year, three, five years that is uh, going to kind of rock things up a little bit, shake them up? I would say uh, I think what we need to do is bring, bring back some trade school or something. Make the trade sexy again. Mm. You know, make it something where you could actually have a lifestyle and you could actually grow and have a career. Apprentice systems in uh, companies, and I'm sure there's a lot of large companies that are doing very well at this, but bring back the trades. Bring back the people and bring back that it's okay to go in the trades you know everyone's pushing go to college go to college you got if you don't go to college you're an idiot you know let's stop that you know let's get the trade school let's make it american again that yeah i'm going to trade school you know and not make everything you got to have a license to do everything well you could you could get if you get a good image on getting people to want to be good craftsmen and and really take pride in their work and pay them right this could be a good thing. But I would say that that would be important because I know labor shortage is always a, an issue, even for us. You know, it's, yeah. it's hard to find quality installers, but we still find them. You know, you just, you know, up the ante, pay a little bit more and, and give them the treatment they deserve. Um, and they'll be with you forever. They'll, they'll be worth their weight in gold, you know. Curious. You got the four-year degree, I believe, right? You said you went to a state school? Yeah. Oh, would you do it again? No. Me either. <laughs> no. I, I went to the University of Florida. I told me this all not a chance in the world. I'd do it again. No, I mean, but again, I didn't know the path. Mm-hmm. I thought everyone was going to college, and if you yep. didn't go, you know, oh, gosh, you know. But I look back on it, I'm like, you know, it was just, you know, I, I didn't need to, you know. I, maybe a two-year degree associate's sure, but I just don't think, uh, you know, the amount of money these sales reps can make and not go to college or you know, go in the trades. I mean, you, you don't need a degree to start a business or at least um, get a high paying job. You know, sure, there's certificates, you know, you could be a realtor, you know, you could do yeah. things like that. But college, I, I think it's overrated. Me too. I'm getting real tired of it. Yeah. In fact, it was my father. He told me my dad was right about a lot of things, but I would disagree with him if he was still around today and say that he said, you know, you don't go to college for the education. You go there for to learn how to interact with people and learn who you are as a person, a man, a woman. It's basically this time to grow. Yeah. as a person around other people who are attempting to grow. Right. And, 
yeah, maybe there was some truth to that, but I would have done a lot better with the advice of, hey, between 18 and 22, you need to go fail a lot. Yeah. You need to go, yeah. you need to go work at redo cabinets and install. You need to go to a roofing company for six months and learn how to roof. And then all of a sudden, you're going to find that you understand how business works, how people work, how adults who have been doing it for 20 years, how they do things. Not working next to a 19-year-old guy who thinks he's a smartass because his family's got some money to send him to UF. Right. right. Um, but I think that there's this time where I wish I would have gone back and began to not play it so safe. Mm. I was trying to play it safe at that time, brother. You know, I was like, okay, I just do this, and then I move into this fortune 500 or a company where i can move up a right a ladder. that's what i was thinking too yep. I, and i didn't understand like yeah. you're so young man yeah fail now yeah and get used to it um and i played it safe for far too long um i feel like in my life if there's a regret that i have people start not having regrets i do i played it safe for too long i wish i would have taken a chance on myself like you i love what you said no i deserve it believed in myself sooner in my life than what i did um because I just don't think I did really. I think I told people I've got confidence, yeah. but my actions showed something completely different. Right. And yeah. so, you know, when you said it rang true with me, um, because I didn't feel that way for a long time, I, I constantly felt imposter syndrome, and it showed in how I and how I reacted. Yeah. Went down to college. Nah, yeah. I ain't doing that. I mean, sure, it helps you learn to study and critical think and and yeah you're in, I, i'm sure there's a lot of good things out of it but for what they're charging and what it costs for tuition <laughs> i mean you, you got to be kidding me and what these what they're teaching and yeah, we go on another ta- tangent but i just think uh that's actually going to damage uh, america and our future generation um and uh yeah yeah, it's 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 rough. I guess uh, I'll, I guess I'll cross that bridge when my kids get older when they want to go to college. I'd rather take that money, invest in something else with them. Yes. You know, I mean, it was a couple hundred grand now just for a degree. You could start a business with that or, or something. Yeah. 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 yeah the big. lessons that can be learned with two hundred thousand yeah. dollars, in my opinion, are far greater than a university can teach. Yeah. And mark my words, I will not be paying for my kids' tuition. So <laughs> there he is, right learn, there. They're going to learn how to, you know, roll up the sleeves and get to work and make it happen. When that that if they do go to college, that bill is going to be chasing them. So that'll get a fire under their ass. My last question then for you is this, man: redo cabinets. We haven't got a chance to focus on too much. I wanted to get to know you um, as an entrepreneur and as a man here and introduce you to my audience. And I want to have you back on to talk more about redo itself. Uh, but you're doing something special over there. Um, and right here, I should say. And you've got a great group of people here who've been able to interview a, a number of them and be able to hang out within the last 48 hours. Uh, what is Redo doing? What is Redo Cabinets all about? Uh, for maybe somebody who wants to go over, they're watching this, and kind of figure out what is, what is this guy all about? What is this company all about? What, what would they learn? What were they going to see? Yeah, so re- Redo Cabinets, uh, we specialize in cabinet refacing. Uh, or cabinet restyling, you know, it's a it's a really fantastic um, home improvement product that we offer. You know, I grew up in the roofing and the windows, and that was the family business. I started redo cabinets years back, and uh, you know, to me, it's been very good to us. It's uh, scalable. The product's phenomenal. Uh, the outcomes are just phenomenal. The before and afters, uh, how happy customers are. I, I really take a lot of pride into this because this really is my own. And, um, you know, I didn't really know about refacing until I painted my cabinets years back. And I realized, 
wow, what a horrible uh, experience that was. And wow, it's already chipping. And I had the same style, same hardware, but just a different color. I either thought it was painting or remodeling. I never knew about refacing. So yeah. knowing that I didn't know and I'm in this industry and I hear the pains, but I also hear the, what the people want. I was like, we have to get this out here. We have to launch this. We have to, we have to move. And we have to move fast because you know how people, when they start finding out about cool products, you saw the, the one-day bath industry, how that boomed. Oof. Yeah. I mean, when that happened, when somebody said they could do it in one day, right. people said, you're insane. Right. Um, and then all of a sudden, somebody found a way to make it happen mm -hmm. and get a new bathroom in a day became a thing and a standard right. that was set. Mm -hmm. And it's always, it's always impossible until somebody does it. Right. Um, and then all of a sudden it becomes a standard that everyone has to try to find their way to. Right. Um, folks, I'm telling you what, we're going to put the website for Redo Cabinets right across the bottom and in the cabinets as well, or in the cabinets. See? Yeah, in the comments. I got you. There we go. I want to put them in the cabinets in the comments as well. Please go check them out. Um, his name is Mark Olson. Uh, the company is Redo Cabinets. Um, we're right here in Illinois. We're, how many minutes are outside of Chicago right now? Uh, we're... Probably, if, if you want to ride, probably 30 minutes, depending on traffic, an hour. <laughs> yeah, 30 minutes to an hour, depending on, yeah. we're outside of Chicago. An incredible company, amazing people that are doing it the right way. I want to thank Leap personally for allowing me to come out here, shoot some content on their behalf, and thank you for allowing me to come out here and, and meet your team and, and be a part of this, man, because when we do and you show us the hospitality you have, we appreciate it, and our guys do. So thank you all very much. Um, and I got a feeling we're going to be talking to this guy again run into you at a conference, we're gonna run into you somewhere, and I wanna see the follow-up on this in a couple of years because yeah. I think it's gonna be special. Yeah, I'm excited. Thanks right. for having me, I appreciate it. I appreciate this. it, brother. Until next time, everybody, see you later.